Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight, whether you knew what you were in for or not. Uh, <laughs> if this is uh, your first time with us or if you came not knowing uh, what the format was, hopefully this is a good surprise and not one of those moments where you're like, oh dear, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, but maybe it's too soon to, to know that. You know, Maybe you have to hear the talk a little bit to... <laughs> make that assessment. Uh, <laughs> so as Amy mentioned, um, my name is Nicole Dunn and I am the program director for Be Here Now and I've been uh, giving talks two or three times a year uh, roughly for the last little while, last two or three years or so. And so tonight is one such night so thanks for being here. And the topic tonight is, as Amy said, cultivating joy, which for me is a foundational practice in my life. And one that I have been prioritizing in my life for um, about eight years. I can remember when I started on this path of practice, which for me was generated after um, a really difficult time in my life. Um, when I went through a, a, a stage of acute depression and from that depression when I when it started lifting I realized that in order to get as overwhelmed and dragged down as I had gotten um, what came up for me is that my seed of joy must be very undernourished and so I intentionally set on a path of uh, watering and tending well to the seed of joy um, and for a long time, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I really felt like I sort of charted my own course. And again, this continues to be an ongoing practice for me. It's something I invest in every day, truly, every day. That this is a daily practice for me. And I've gotten a lot of benefit out of it, and I love to share about it. <laughs> So I'd like to start off um, by reciting the five remembrances, which we do here once a month. Um, if you sat with us last week, we recited the five remembrances after the five mindfulness trainings. And these, uh, the five remembrances are a verse, a teaching in our particular tradition, the Plum Village tradition, sometimes called the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition. And this is one of my favorite readings that we have, one of my favorite teachings. So the five remembrances are, I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape having ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone that I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. And the last one is, my actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground on which I stand. So I think that it can be easy to have sort of a, at first, 
uh, have a surface relationship with these remembrances so that when we hear them or we um, read them, it can be easy to think, wow, these are kind of a downer. Um, you know, uh, and yeah, yeah, I get that that's part of life, but I don't really want to address those too much or not right now, maybe later. And I think that's common because in our collective consciousness, that's uh, the, uh, very prevalent, uh, right? Shielding ourselves from these parts of life, which is what they are, parts of life, not separate. But if we spend some time with the five remembrances and we use our practice to look deeply into the five remembrances, we'll start being able to see and understand clearly the, the, the deeper teaching inherent in these remembrances. And in the context of cultivating joy, the teaching is that because we are of the nature to grow old, because we are of the nature to have ill health, because we are of the nature to die, because everyone we love, everything we love is of the nature to change and fall away, it's because of these things that watering and tending well to our seed of joy in our life becomes imperative if we have the desire to live a well-contented life right here and right now, today. So rather than uh, being sort of a depressive reminder, these five remembrances, when we look more deeply and sit with them, allow them to be absorbed a little bit more, these become very empowering. Joy is a quality that we can develop and nurture and tend well to in our garden, in the garden of our heart, in the garden of our mind, and in the garden of our life. And when our seed of joy is strong, it will help us to hold the weight of everything else. And there is a weight in the world. Yeah, uh, suffering, struggle, hardship, feelings of upset, turmoil, trauma, these things are real. These things are also part of life. And if our seed of joy is not strong enough, we will be overwhelmed by that weight, whether it's individual, collective, or it's both, you know, because we're not separate from the rest of the world. We're all in this together. Our energy's connected, right? Mm. So developing the quality of joy in our life will help to uh, propel us to live a well-contented life. And another way of saying well-contented life is living a happy life, although I, I refrain, I don't like to use that word happy because it's very loaded and there's a lot of misunderstandings around it, I think. Um, but if that word works for you, you could put it in there. And um, one of the ways I've heard it described the difference between joy and happiness an analogy, which at first I was like, does that work? And then I had to, sit, I had to think about it a little while and sit with it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I think that works. Um, is that um, the analogy is that if we're, um, you know, imagine that we're lost in the desert and um, very hot, very thirsty, um, very lost. 
Joy is what we feel when we see a, a, an oasis in the desert, an oasis of water and shade, a refreshing spot to go to. And happiness is what is the result after we've been satiated, after we've uh, had some cool water, after we've had some shade and cooled down and uh, uh, received some uh, relief. Yeah. Um, and joy and happiness are not separate. They're not exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. Again, they're interconnected. Um, so they are very much uh, uh, woven together with one another. Mm. One of the most important pieces of uh, cultivating joy for me that I have found um, and in, in talking with others, I find this important because it's a very common misunderstanding again, is that it's easy to think that cultivating joy means to uh, turn a blind eye to suffering or to turn a blind eye to um, injustice, uh, feelings of upset, um, turmoil. Uh, that weight of the world, that cultivating joy means that we have to disregard that. And that, in the context of practice, that is not accurate. That is not what cultivating joy is about. It's not about turning a blind eye to suffering. Cultivating joy in the context of our mindfulness practice is about not turning a blind eye to the goodness and the beauty and the wonders of life that exist simultaneously. We are very uh, practiced at looking at hardship and suffering and struggle. We are not so well practiced at looking at the goodness, the beauty, and the wonders of life that are inherent in every moment all around us. Yeah. So I kind of imagine um, standing um, like at the top of a tall building or standing on a mountaintop or someplace where you have this, this lovely full view of a space. And let's say, um, you know, we kind of look at hardship and these um, feelings of turmoil, upset, struggle as looking over here to the left. Yeah. Cultivating joy is not about just looking over here to the right, which is where, you know, in this analogy, work with me here, uh, <laughs> over here to the right is where uh, the goodness and the beauty exists. Yeah. All the great people out there doing good work, and they're out there all the time. Yeah and uh, these, um, these wonders of life. Yeah. Cultivating joy is not about just looking to the right. Cultivating joy in the context of practice is about coming in the middle and seeing the whole landscape. The whole landscape, the whole panorama of life is going on. Yeah. Um, but for many of us, our seed of joy is so undernourished uh, that we have a habit energy of looking to the left primarily. Yeah. And eventually, in doing so, we will be depleted. Yeah. We'll run out of fuel, and we'll be overwhelmed and uh, dragged down uh, by only looking one in one direction. Mm. So cultivating joy is about seeing the whole the whole landscape. That's important. Mm. There are a, um, a few um, 
obstacles that are very common in, in this culture anyway that stand in our way uh, that we have to navigate and unfold and work with in order to um, have movement on this path of practice of this path of cultivating joy there's some common ones and so I'm going to uncover part of my board but not the whole thing because we're not there yet <laughs> you see how I've covered them so we're not reading ahead yeah okay <laughs> okay So on the board here, I have a section called Myths. And I'm going to go through them here. So the first myth is that suffering is more real than joy. And this, um, this one in particular is really important to investigate for ourselves to see if, if that is real for our own experience. Um, but this is very common, that suffering is uh, more legitimate than joy and living a well-contented life. Yeah, um, I think this is a, a very deeply ingrained paradigm that we live in, in this culture especially. Um, so I feel like that, that first one, these aren't listed in any certain order, but the first one um, I think is especially important to investigate for ourselves. The second one I have is cultivating joy equals turning a bl blind eye to suffering, which I just talked about. The third is joy is based solely on external conditions. Um, the fourth, joy will manifest in the future when we're less busy. Yeah, that's, that's really common too. I'm like, well, maybe next week, you know, when things calm down a little bit and they're less crazy, then I'll do something about this joy business. Um, or when I retire, or <laughs> um, some other time, right? This one's very common. The fifth one that I have down is joy is selfish. The sixth one, joy is trite um, or unimportant, both of those. Um, and the last one I have marked down, and there's other ones too, but these are the ones that stand out for me. The last one I have down is, if I practice joy when I don't feel like it, I'm being unauthentic to my real experience. And this one ties into, um, let's see, which one here? Um, suffering is more real than joy, the first one. If I practice joy when I don't feel like it, I'm being unauthentic to my real experience. So we really we look at suffering as being uh, more true to life. And it is true to life, and it's not the whole story. It's not the whole picture. Yeah. And so um, that's important to investigate and to be curious about what our views are around joy. Because if we're not aware of what our views are, um, and we have some false views, uh, and obstacles that are standing in our way in regards to our views, and we're, we're not going to make much progress on this path of cultivating joy. So we have to see what our myths are. Like, what, what do we think joy is um, um, for ourselves? And um, I know for me, um, when I started on this path for myself, I realized that I had an unconscious uh, view that, Joy was something that happened as a result of 
something outside of me happening, like all the stars aligning in a certain way and people were doing what I wanted them to do and acting how I wanted them to act. And um, I had the day that I wanted to have, like that's when joy would happen, you know, when all that stuff went on. And um, that's not to say that joy can happen from that, right? Uh, joy, uh, we can uh, generate joy from external conditions, of course, right? But there's an element of this uh, deeper joy uh, that once our seed of joy is more strong, is strengthened, we can carry it with us wherever we go um, in all situations. And it's not dependent on these external uh, conditions. Yeah? Uh, but we can carry it with us. But I realized that this was a view I had, and I had to unpack that view in order to have some movement and start really uh, nourishing and uh, growing this particular seed for myself. So if you're not sure, um, where, your, where your dear little seed of joy is in the garden and how strong it may be, there are some indicators that are common. And so indicators, you know, sort of like that, um, the low fuel light that comes on in the dashboard on your car when your car is like, hey, buddy, I need some more petrol. Um, it's similar. <laughs> um, so I've got six listed up here. And the first is, um, on a regular basis when engaging with the news, we feel hopeless, cynical, angry, and deflated. Yeah. Um, so if this is a common state for us, yeah, this is an indicator that shows us that our seed of joy uh, needs some attention. Yeah. And again, it's not to say that we aren't affected by uh, the weight of the world and the struggle and the suffering that exists, right? But we're able to relate with it and hold it in such a way where we're not uh, swept away out, out to sea by it. Yeah. The second one... Um, you give more street cred to suffering, hardship, feelings of upset than to joy and well-being. So again, it ties into that suffering is more real than joy myth. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's no merit badge that's given out for suffering the most. That's like down the line. That's not something that will happen. And so uh, if you have a thought about that, <laughs> it's probably not conscious. Uh, <laughs> But uh, there's no merit badge. There's no extra points or credits that you get for uh, struggling and suffering the most with the weight of the world, right? That's not a thing. And um, if we're unable to um, uh, really tend well to the, to the seed of joy, um, our, the weight that we feel is, is what ripples out in the world too, right? So when we take good care of ourselves, we're taking good care of others. We're helping take good care of everyone around us and ripple out a certain energy in the world. And that's important. Yeah. So it's um, important for us to develop um, ways to tend well to the seeds that will be of benefit for us. Yeah. Um, it's not selfish back here. Joy. Joy is not selfish. It's one of the most altruistic things that we can do, <coughs> truly. Because when we care well for ourselves, we're caring well for others. There's no separation. The third uh, indicator is you are annoyed, frustrated, disappointed by others on a regular basis. 
And the fourth is sort of tied in, small things set you off on a discourse of anger, sorrow, or cynicism. The fifth, you have a negative spin on people and situations in a majority of cases. And the sixth one, you commonly feel exhausted, stressed out, or overwhelmed. So a lot of these have to do with um, how we relate to others and how, we're, um, how we regard others. Yeah, that's a really uh, good way that we can tune into where our seed of joy is. Yeah. Um, there's a show that my mom turned me on to a while back um, called Grace and Frank, Frankie and Grace um, on Netflix. And um, there's a line in there that I really that I that just stands out to me, and it was a really funny uh, scene between Grace and Frankie, their older characters. And um, uh, Grace was saying to Frankie, she's like, "Other people are just the worst." And so I think this really speaks to something. If we have that thought a lot, um, or if that's you know that's a common place that we live, like, man, other people are the worst. Um, that comes up, that comes up for me, you know, but as a regular ongoing thing for us, if that's a, a prevailing sentiment, that's an indicator also, um, that points to the, um, the state of this particular seed in our, in the garden of our mind, in the garden of our heart, um, undernourished seed of joy, yeah. So how we, um, interface with others, how we are affected by others. That can be an indicator. Mm. So why why practice joy? What what uh, what are the benefits of doing that? Like why why is that something that's worth our time and energy? Uh, for me, I discovered a lot of uh, benefit, and what I discovered is that. In the garden, in our, we all have this, these, this garden of seeds, the same seeds, and uh, what grows and strengthens, you know, depends on what we water, what we tend to, what we nourish. Um, and um, in the garden, just like a regular garden, when we, when we water one plant or one seed, we're watering other seeds around it. Right? There's other seeds in the garden, and so there's companion plants that are that are growing alongside whatever we grow in the garden. And joy is the same way. So when we water the seed of joy, we're not just watering the seed of joy. There's other ones. There's a lot of other companion seeds uh, around the seed of joy that also get watered, that start to grow and strengthen um, in the garden of our life alongside of joy um, that are not separate. And there are many, but here are um, a few that I have mapped out that, uh, that I have down here. And so I'm going to just kind of read through the list first. So there's energy, ease, kindness, patience, resilience, optimism, balance, understanding, connection, and compassion. Now, the one that I found most surprising um, is the first one, energy. Um, for me, when I, after a certain period of time, and for me this took a while, um, uh, a number of months of um, starting on the journey and really getting my seed of joy to a certain point. 
And I started noticing that as my, the energy of joy increased, the quality of joy increased in my life, it gave me energy. It was a fuel that propelled me into doing the things that I wanted to be doing and it made it more sustainable. Yeah. So I, it kept, it started um, allowing me not to feel burnt out and stressed out as often. Um, so I realized that, wow, joy, joy was a type, is a type of fuel, an energy, an input of energy coming in that allowed me to continue doing and allows me to continue doing the things that I want to be doing. Um, I've met a number of um, people in their 20s who had already gotten burnt out from doing like activism work or change work, um, social work, because they had so much energy going out in uh, their early 20s that they just got burned out because there was very little, if anything, coming back in to refuel. And they were not able to continue doing the work that they loved to do because they were just exhausted. They had burnt themselves out. And they were still in their 20s. And so this is a very real thing for all of us, regardless of our age, that uh, we all have energy going out in all these different directions. Yeah. And in order to create uh, a balance in our life, in order to uh, live a well-contended life here and now, again, today, yeah, we need energy coming back in. We need to be refueled. And joy is a really big source of fuel. Um, and that's something that we uh, will experience if we uh, do this practice. Yeah. I'd love to be able to just like uh, say that and for you all to get it and it you know, it works, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately you have to do it in order to understand fully <laughs> that one. Uh, but that's the one I found most surprising. Like, wow, more, the, the, the stronger my seed of joy gets and continues to get, the more energy that I get from it. Yeah, it's really quite something. Um, and another one that I'll point out is the third one, which is kindness. And this one is something that I've noticed um, increasing for me. It's, it's one of the ones that just, it's, it sticks out a little bit more for me because as, again, as my um, seed of joy started getting stronger, I started noticing, wow, I don't have as much judgment of other people. I don't, um, I'm not annoyed and bothered by people as often. I'm not like, oh man, people are the worst. You know, I don't have that. And that used to be a real common storyline for me and a common experience. Um, and so the kindness factor really um, continues to increase for me. Um, and kindness is a, a quality that I think, is, like joy, is often underrated and undervalued. Yeah. Being kind. Um, and there's a really great, great um, song lyric that I'm going to share with you by my favorite artist, which is Ani DeFranco. And um, this is from one of her older songs. She says, And you can talk a great philosophy, but if you can't be kind to people every day, it doesn't mean that much to me. It's the little things you do, the little things you say. It's the love that you give along the way. I just love that uh, lyric. It's just lovely. Um, so kindness increases. All of these things, uh, companion seeds to joy, uh, will grow uh, as we water the seed of joy, not separate. Yeah. So that's good news. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of companion seeds happening with joy. Joy is tied in. It's got its roots all over the place. Uh, 
So that's lovely. <laughs> and so the last one is um, called Practices here. And uh, these are some ideas. Um, for me, it's very helpful to have uh, concrete practices, concrete exercises to do. Otherwise, it's easy for certain things to become too ethereal, too intellectualized. Like, oh, cultivating joy, that sounds great and all, but I don't really know how to do that or what that looks like. Um, so I'm someone who likes to have tools and practices. And so these are things that um, I discovered for myself, things that I do. Um, and so the first one, do things you enjoy doing on a daily basis. And I'll come back to a few of these. But the second one is to attend Sangha. So come here. <laughs> attend on Tuesday nights, our sister group, Open Way. Um, number three I have is create a gratitude practice. I'm just going to read through them and I'll come back. Four, look deeply into your consumption of media. Five, learn and practice the art of self-care and resting. Six, spend time with people who uplift and inspire you. Seven, meditate regularly. Eight, create a wake-up verse. And nine, smile more. Um, so I'll kind of touch on a few of these. So the create a wake-up verse. Um, for me, I find it helpful to have something that I say right away when I wake up in the morning. And I've had um, a number of different ones um, that I've had over the years. Right now, it's very simple. The one that I, that I have is um, waking up this morning, I smile. That's it. And then I actually smile, just a little bit. It doesn't have to be a big beaming, you know, smile, just a little smile right away. Um, this might take some practice, um, the smiling part, if the, that resonates for you, that sort of. But it's, it's good to create your own verse that speaks to you, yeah? Um, and one of my favorite quotes um, by Thich Nhat Hanh that I share often is, um, sometimes our joy is the source of our smile, and sometimes our smile is the source of our joy, which is the last one that comes in, the smiling more. Uh, that is a practice. And it actually does, uh, can be a way for us to cultivate joy, to smile more, yeah. And I'm going to touch back on this myth that um, if I practice, I put my glasses on, if I practice joy when I don't feel like it, I'm being unauthentic to my real experience. I've heard people talk about this one a lot in regards to smiling. Well, I don't want to smile if I don't feel like it. And I think that... There's wisdom to that, and I think it's important to stay in touch with that because, again, cultivating joy is not about ignoring suffering, um, upset, yeah. But we have to be careful with this one because our um, habit of suffering is so strong that um, our internal dialogue, we're going to have to push against it a little bit too and step outside of our comfort zone. And if we're waiting to feel like smiling, we might never do it, is the thing. And so we have to be careful with that one. Um, because again, sometimes uh, our smile can be the source of our joy. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> 
So creating a wake-up verse. Um, again, creating something that works for you. Uh, or there's a lot of them out there. You could find one um, or a poem or something. Uh, but a way to, to sort of set the intention for your day, to create a foundation right away, right when you get up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back up here. Um, so the first one says, do the things you enjoy doing on a daily basis. Um, this is where I started. When I first was like, okay, my seed of joy, I'm realizing is really undernourished. What do I do? And that was the first thing. I was like, I guess I do the things I enjoy doing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, and for me, what works well is making lists. I'm a list maker. We're not all list makers. Don't go make a list if you're like, I hate making lists, that, then don't do that. Um, but for me, that works really well. So I made a list. And it actually took me a while to reorient myself because I was like, what do I enjoy doing? Like, I was so out of practice with it. My seed of joy was so untended to that I was like, I don't really know. And so it took me a little while. Um, but I created a list of big things and small things, everyday things. Because um, I think it's easy for us to go to the big things first, like, oh, going to Paris or going to a concert or having a party. You know, and those things are great. And um, those are more once in a while type of situations. Uh, so it's good to, to have um, an idea of the smaller things that we can uh, do, um, especially as we're starting out. Again, because my seed of joy was so small that I needed to start somewhere. And that, for me, that's what worked. Um, and as I got in the habit of it, the more I like, you know, gravitated my thinking towards, okay, what do I enjoy doing? You know, the more I was doing it more regularly and something every day um, to really grow that seed and give it sort of that like miracle grow uh, fertilizer, uh, <laughs> do the things we enjoy doing, um, to prioritize it. And that's another thing that is very against our... <coughs> paradigm our way of thinking yeah because again we think joy is selfish you know and sort of trite and unimportant and we give more street cred to suffering and so we're we're kind of uh, coming up against all of these different views that are really common in our society um, and for me it, it was really a matter of like I had to do this my my the depression was such that like something had to change yeah um, and um, prioritizing joy for me. That's where I invest in my time and energy. Um, the third one, create a gratitude practice. I also want to touch on a little bit because similar to, to joy, to um, uh, some of these other elements, it's easy to intellectualize and um, have this sort of float up in the ether this idea of gratitude and be like, yeah, I'm grateful, moving on, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so uh, it can be helpful <laughs> to actually create an active practice of gratitude. And that can look like a lot of different things. Um, for me, um, I do a number of different things every day to water the seed also of gratitude, companion seed. Um, I say a few words of uh, thanks before eating a meal. To me, that's very important. Just to, it just takes me a few seconds um, to connect with my food in the spirit of gratitude. Um, and then I also have um, a practice that I do after sitting meditation in the morning, um, which involves prostrations to the earth, 
Um, and um, it's a formal gratitude practice that I do that varies a little bit every day. Uh, for a while, I kept a journal, a gratitude journal. So there's a lot of different ways to do this, but forming an actual something that you do in the spirit of gratitude, I think, is important. Like I said, otherwise, it's easy to just uh, have it sort of float around, this idea of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, so find a way to really actively invest in gratitude as a practice. Um, mm. Number four, look deeply into your consumption of media. Mm. This is an ongoing piece, <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of these are, right? Uh, cultivating joy, watering, and tending to the seed of joy is not something we do one time or for a sh certain period of time, and then we stop doing it. Because if we stop doing it, then the seed starts withering, falling away. Yeah, so this is an ongoing uh, practice. It's a called practice for a reason, yeah. So the seed of joy continues to strengthen over time. Um, but looking into what forms of media that we're consuming uh, through our eyes, through our ears, through our consciousness, into our heart, um, what, uh, what is being fed when we watch what we're watching? Yeah. For me, this was a long process. Because um, I had a strong habit energy of watching really good quality shows that were really dark. They were really dark. Um, but I was like, oh, but they're so good. Um, but the messages that I was receiving were not helpful. They were not beneficial. They were not valuable in any, in any uh, respect. And they were very detrimental to my self-image, to how I saw other people, to how I engaged with the world. Uh, and it was a long process for me because, again, my, you know, those habit energies are strong. We've been cultivating certain habit energies for a long time. They're not going to be undone overnight. That's just not the way it works. We would love for it to work that way. Oh, it doesn't work that way, though. It takes some time. Um, so as I continued to look deeply into the, the media I was consuming, I reached a stage where I could no longer keep applying awareness to it and continue doing what I was doing. I eventually hit that point. It took a while. It took longer than I would like it to have. Um, <laughs> but eventually it was like, I have to, this is a matter of self-preservation because I'm aware of how this affects me, and I'm still doing it, and this is awful. Uh, and eventually that, if you keep applying uh, awareness to it, uh, that will change, yeah. Mm. If we're diligent about applying mindfulness. So that's an ongoing piece, media. And then learning the practice of art, the, learn and practice the art of self-care and resting. Um, oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a very tough one. It's very important. Mm. Um, I learned the hard way. And that means um, I learned how to uh, engage with the art of resting because I have a nerve disease. And I acquired a nerve disease in my late 20s that um, for a time rendered me unable to walk. Um, I was in constant pain. and. Um, and still on disability from that. I live with chronic pain. And um, so I learned the hard way of how to rest because I had to. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, um, that's very common that we don't learn until we sort of have to. Uh, but I, um, and I'm so grateful 
to uh, have the illness that I have because I felt like I was able to learn at a very young age that I would not have learned any other way, maybe. Um, the art of resting and self-care. Um, but I see clearly, again, uh, when, we're, when I take good care of myself, I am then able to take good care of others. That's very real. Um, it's hard to see sometimes. Um, and we all have different ways of resting, too. There's not just one way to do it. So, um, but it's important to take good care of ourselves. It's not a selfish act. Self-care is not selfish um, in the way that we think about selfishness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Self-care and rest are important. I'm giving you permission to rest more, mm -hmm. take good care of yourself for the benefit of everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joy is imperative. It is not uh, trite or unimportant. And uh, I encourage us all to uh, not underestimate the power and the importance of joy. Yeah. It's really easy to uh, regard joy as not being very important as not being real, as real to life than some other things. Mm. But developing a strong um, foundation and joy is one of the most important things that we can do. To help care for ourselves, to help care for others, to help care for the planet. Our world needs more well-contented people. Yeah. People that who are able to uh, bring joy and kindness and ripple that out into the world. Yeah. Mm. So we do this practice for ourselves and we do this practice for the world too. Both things. Mm. I want to... Um, end as is you know the best way to end anything is by uh, with Mary Oliver uh, isn't it I mean <laughs> um, so I was sharing with Amy um, that um, I'm like three poems away from finishing this lovely collection of, by Mary Oliver called Devotions and um, I've been reading it since the winter just a couple a day it's been a lovely um, uh, reading every morning, uh, most mornings. And, um, yeah, somehow I went from not reading any poetry to reading a poetry of 450 pages, uh, cover to cover. I don't know how that happened, but it's been lovely. <laughs> I highly recommend this book. <laughs> so um, I'd like to read the, the poem, a poem by her called Invitation. Oh, do you have time to linger for just a little while? 
out of your busy and very important day. For the goldfinches that have gathered in a field of thistles for a musical battle. To see who can sing the highest note or the lowest or the most expressive of mirth or the most tender. Their strong, blunt beaks drink the air as they strive melodiously, not for your sake and not for mine, and not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in this broken world. I beg of you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke said when he, when he wrote, you must change your life. So dear friends, I have, um, I made some copies of the five remembrances um, and on the back is that poem I just read. So if you would like to take one of these, I'll just um, put these up on the bench. And then I also um, have a small stack of these uh, rainbow butterfly unicorn kittens. <laughs> Because sometimes, as it says here, because sometimes you need a rainbow, butterfly, unicorn, kitten. You know, just sometimes. I mean, I don't know. You might not need one. You might. You could take one of these if you do. Um, so those are also up here. <laughs> so whatever it takes to cultivate joy. It could be a rainbow, butterfly, kitten, sparkle, whatever that thing is. Um, you know, utilize what you have around you. <laughs> um, with that, I want to thank you for, uh, again, for being here tonight, for uh, being part of this lovely community. I truly uh, love and adore this community. I'm so glad to be a part of it. So thank you all for being part of it with me. May we all practice well together. And... And you could give us a final sound of the bell. Thank you.